I sent you the mic, but uh, if you could request, sometimes Twitter's slow. Oh, you got it. You got it. Oh, yeah, I guess we'll wait for PFX to show up. Uh, can you hear me? How you doing today? Yeah, I can hear you. I'm doing good, thanks. How are you doing? Good. It's midnight here, but uh, I do catch some naps during the day because I'm up in the middle of the night because of baby crying. So. <laughs> well, I'm sure as a, as a Marine, you've learned to sleep when you can. Exactly. Uh, Miss Jade asked me to share a photo in a chat we're in, uninterrupted chat. I did that. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, no, but I'm sure she can send it to me. Oh, is that? Oh, I can. Is it that with the thing with all the bags? I can show you too. I just, I, I didn't put it in Discord. It's, it's off. It's on Twitter. Ah, uh, okay. It's just uh, people in the uninterrupted podcast. There he is. Hold on a sec. All right. We're all here now. So I want to welcome everyone to episode 30, which is Doc's Chain. Tobias. Zaradar himself. Back again. Uh, this will be an exciting one. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. PSX, do you have some uh, disclaimer announcements? Is my mic working? I feel like, I'm, like I've been glitching in and out lately. Just want to do a quick double check on that one. I hear you clear now. Cool, cool. Initially, I didn't. But okay. Now. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was, I was seeing it flicker on. But uh, yeah, before we start, just a quick disclaimer to everyone: uh, this podcast should not be considered as financial advice. The content of this broadcast here and or any other any other platform for are for educational and entertainment purposes only and cite our own personal opinions in order to make the best financial decision that suits your need. Please conduct your own research and seek the advice from a, fi- a licensed financial advisor if necessary. And uh, Zardar, thanks for uh, being here, man. It's been a long time. This is actually our first time talking, like voice to voice, yeah. not necessarily face to face, but voice to voice, I guess. Yeah, that's probably right. And thank you for for inviting me. I've been probably as busy as everybody else for the last many months. So um, yeah, I haven't had a lot lot of time to to talk with with people online, other than the rand, the random Twitter rant here and there. But it's good to see that you guys still are going on and uh, trying to to build a community out of uh, out of Terra Classic and and keep things going. Yeah, I mean we we actually concentrate on the entire cosmos, but uh, Luna Classic is still the baby. <laughs> I mean, it's still always going to be there. I mean, those things are intertwined. At the end of the day, it's just uh, uh, how can you say? Dead traps within dead traps within dead traps, wherein you create new liquidity networks and try to build up new business. And then, if one business becomes, you know, success, the investors in that they earn money, and if not, then they don't. So I think, you know, it's only 
reasonable to span across uh, multiple different sectors within the Cosmos network and probably more than anything, the Cosmos token Atom itself probably stands to, to gain the most from new Cosmos networks that grow and become successful. Yeah, Doc's chain. <laughs> Go ahead, PSX. Well, that, that remains to be seen. <laughs> well, I mean, you kind of took the words out of my mouth, but um, for anybody who doesn't know who you are and the role you played, not just Cosmos, but Luna Classic um, in general, I'd like it. If you're if you're okay with it, I'd like to take it all the way to the beginning briefly before we go into Docs Chain. Um, to my understanding, you were one of the original co-founders of Terra Rebels. After I was probably the, the original founder of Terra Rebels. I was the guy who came up with the name and made the GitHub all. And then I met uh, it and uh, Raider uh, online after discussing some pull requests we made for Terra Money. But I guess it's fair to say I was one of the co-founders, I guess. It, would, would, what, and what was it in, in that relationship between you two developed in a short period of time? I mean, how did it all come to play where the governance is voted in Terra Rebels to... Um, uh, I believe it was to bring governance back originally, and then uh, I think after that it was a lot of noise, and I, it, it was for me, anyways, being in in the community in one voice out of many voices, it was kind of hard to follow. Maybe you can kind of help that put that in a in a more um, at clarity to the sequential order, if possible. So, so basically, here, here's what happened in in a condensed condensed time frame. Uh, I was in Spain on KubeCon when uh, everything cratered and I lost uh, all my crypto because it was locked up in the Luna assets I had bought, which I think at $250,000 turned into like $1 at the bottom, something like that. It was pretty fucking stupid. So anyways, uh, I woke up in my hotel after having been out on a bar with a lot of geeks and basically stating that I would have to do something about this and take charge and make things work. So I created <clears throat> the GitHub all. And then I think a couple of days later when I came home, I started talking with people uh, on GitHub and somehow we got into a Discord channel that was run by Clan Mudhorn. And that's when uh, we started talking around how to fix the situation. And my sort of career has been very much revolved around making software teams work. Um, that's what I do today. That's what I did before joining uh, Terra Classic. And, and I started sort of organizing these developers. And then the admins of the Discord channel, they sort of renamed the Discord channel to Terra Rebels. And then we sort of made it a thing. And then these validator guys showed up who were being represented by Vegas and some other dude. And they basically wanted uh, a meeting and then Radar and I, we decided to attend that meeting on behalf of everyone because they needed developers. And we were kind of, all of the developers were grouped together in Terra Rebels by that point, or at least the ones who could reason about fixing things. And then uh, we had this meeting with the validator faction who wanted to re-enable uh or they wanted to implement the burn tax but they didn't want to re-enable staking and delegation 
And I basically just told them, you know, that was not going to fly because then inherently they would just stand to, to gain. And the burn tax in itself was really not economically sound long term, but it was a good way to sort of create unity and, and purpose for, for the community as a whole. So after some discussion back and forth, uh, Radar and I, we just said no, and then we left. And then a few days later, they came back and agreed to do the staking and delegation thing. And then we brought the validators into the realm of TR and, and Vegas became closer, you connected to everything. And that is when the TR that most people know really got founded when we had like a 30 plus people who basically decided to, to organize and, and work together. And that led to the uh, sort of uh, deployment of the first uh, release, which uh, re-enabled the, uh, what's it, delegation, uh, but it didn't re-enable, no, re-enable staking, but didn't delegation. You couldn't create new validators, but you could basically stake tokens. And then six days later, it would enable the, the other thing. So that is sort of how we got to, to, to the point that most people understand where the network started sort of running again. And we started trying to see if we could uh, extend, you could say, the unity of the developer group to, to more people, which led to other groups of people working within TR and inherently probably also its eventual demise at the end of the day. Uh, because at that point, it just became too messy with too many different agendas and, and so on and so forth. And some of the core developers decided to, to step out early. I should probably have followed suit then. But being the, the stubborn person that I am, I kind of just decided to try to, to fight through it. And, and then I got to the point where eventually I had to just, you know, step out and, and take a job somewhere else. Um, okay, I wanted to go back to that burn tax. Um comment that you made so you you warned you warned the team you warned vegas um that the that the that the burn tax was not economically sound as you said but it kept getting pushed anyways um i'm starting to find that a bit reckless on vegas end. i mean did did he not take that into consideration like what was his feedback if anything at all when that was laid out to him well, I mean, he had he had valid points in terms of you know uh, Burnside's uh, creating a unity and momentum, um, and and I think you know from from my perspective, uh, that was probably the positive part of it. Um, but I also had some negative aspects as it it allowed the big backholders to basically inherently dictate the cost of buying long in the open market, right? Because the burn tax applies some extra cost in terms of transfer and so on. So if you think about it, the way that the, the system works with the 21 day unlocking period of, of vested tokens or stake tokens, and then the, the burn tax on top of that, creates a, a monetary system that tends to favor the people with the most money. That makes sense. <laughs> so so, so uh, that was what I didn't like about burn tax, to, to point it like that, right? It was basically financial fascism, I guess you could say. No, I get it. Now, uh, currently there's a movement to get the burn tax embedded into the transaction that doesn't change the economic 
uh, problem that you're talking about. But what it does do is allow layer twos to smoothly integrate over the Luna Classic from other chains. Do you have an opinion on that? Why would they? I mean, we're back to the whole point of like what I don't know what the market cap of, of Luna Classic is right now or any other Cosmos chain for that matter. But, but what people have to understand is that with the introduction of tooling such as Ignitely and so on, the, the valuation of these networks is simply just astronomically overvalued, right? We're talking uh, 10,000x in terms of where it should be. So let's say I'm a business, like a real business <clears throat> that has billion dollar, you know, whatever uh, market cap and I have customers and stuff. Why would I pay the premium of engaging in one of these networks if I could just spin up servers in the cloud around the world and then run my own blockchain and then just integrate that with Cosmos and Atom and create my own token and become my own bank? There's a very low value proposition for, 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 for businesses to do what people are intending them to do on their own without any incentives, which is why... I decided to write this uh, blog article the other day about DeFi and, and the importance of them having to, to partner up in order to attract businesses because nobody's going to come in and pay the, the Cosmos premium considering how easy it is to create a new Cosmos blockchain. I had a, um, I, was, I was thinking about uh, during the time when the team was starting to expand, um, Parallel specifically, and this is before my onboarding, uh, I believe October of 2022. Um, where did how, did, how did all this get lost? Like, you know, when, upon my arrival, it was, you know, the team had gone through three marketing teams that were being voted in, voted out. Like, if, at least based on my observation, and maybe I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing something that maybe you saw, but, um, th- it became over over bloated and, and bureaucratic. Like, it's the same, where did it, same, where did it go wrong? Problem as anything else, it was uh, it was simply greed. People got too greedy. You had people like uh, you know Echelon showing up all of a sudden, claiming to be a TR founder, even though he flat out refused to help us in the first month and a half where we were really in need of his service because he was quote unquote busy moving. Um, so, so the point is that all of a sudden people became greedy and we got this $50,000 donation and everybody wanted to become millionaires. And I think that is where things just started, you know, diverging, uh, people having a different agenda. So all of a sudden it was creating nonprofit businesses in the U S with some people and and you know he was working with long and creating the ttf thing and uh, all of echelon was setting up a hosting business wanting to almost i guess get paid by the network so a lot of people started to become greedy at a point where they should have focused on, on paying the, the developers what they were basically worth and, and keeping them around and i understand that most people will say, well, that is a greedy proposition. Well, yes, it, it is. <laughs> I'm a developer. I'm sorry. I'm good at what I do. I'm sorry. But, but the bottom line is that if you're good at something, you know, you get paid what you're worth. And then there's lots of other people that also need to get paid. But in the situation where you have a network that is highly overvalued and you need to create 
features that distinguish it is from the other standardized Cosmos network that most people can spin up overnight. You need to invest in that type of, of talent. It's akin to investing in a good football player for your offense if you need to score goals to win your league, right? So so, so that is the, the problem that happened is that everybody wants to be a developer and, and most people couldn't really be that type of developer. Uh, I think maybe out of the 70 to 80 developers I spoke with, maybe not a handful of them ended up uh, really materializing into anything. Uh, and, and that also created a lot of, of noise and inherently just pushed people apart. Then at some point, uh, Echelon and Radar and Mudhorn got into some sort of conflict with it. And I sort of tried to arbitrage, or sort of, uh, how can you say, mediate between them and tell mm. them to not push it because it would cause him to leave TR. So, but they still pushed him, then he left TR. And then when he left, it was basically me and them. And then you had the infamous argument in the second TR meeting that was published uh, because I basically told people to publish the, the meeting record. When I told people the same thing that I've just said now and which I've said many times before is that I understand that a lot of people want to eat, but you have to make sure that the developers stay you know, got paid first because that's basically the people we needed to ensure that, that the valuations could be sustained and, and, and keep growing. Uh, and then that led to the infamous uh, payout to, to people in TR for work done related to, to the website that they budgeted for $150,000, which is quite a lot of money, if you ask me. Uh, wherein, I think, one dude, Yogi Baba got some money, I think. Yeah. And then Ant something something got some money. That mm -hmm. was the two only real developers, if I remember correctly, in, in the whole list of people. Uh, yeah. And I was just like, you know, okay, so you overcharge the community for, for something, and then you basically pay the wrong people. I think, you know this is clear that, that greed has taken over and then I decided to just up and leave. I still have the old record. Real quick, Jerry, uh, before I go to you, I do want to go on record that uh, during during the exit period, um, I've had multiple reports and allegations allegedly claiming um, individuals within TR, Echelon included, were using language that could be interpreted as uh, coercive or um, intimidation. So that's on record. Uh, Jerry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask. Um, I, I think the, the friction kind of started with, uh, with the community's reaction to Neblio deal. I, I wanted to get your take on that. What did <clears throat> like, uh, I don't know if you're open on telling us how you voted for I don't know if you even voted for it. I, I, I didn't. How you feel uh, about what, it. I, I, I didn't vote for it, but I endorsed it nonetheless. I actually think it was a good idea to get a sponsor, uh, considering the conflated nature of the blockchains. Who cares which blockchain donuts, donates money to, to a team if they cannot determine what the team does? Right? Because, I mean, crypto is just one rolling ball of money inherently that gets partitioned into different networks, right? But if Bitcoin drops, people sell their altcoins to buy, buy Bitcoin. 
if Bitcoin rockets, they sell their Bitcoins to buy altcoins, right? So it's just money floating around between different positions. So, so I think overall, the community's reaction was, was overstated. I, I think it was kind of like, okay, you know what? If these guys want to pay us $20,000 a month to say Napoleon once in a while, then who am I to complain, right? Uh, but the community was concerned with different bias and so on. And I think in a way that also, you know, made matters a bit worse for us funding wise, because that in turn also meant that when we then finally did get a community payout, everybody was sort of standing in line uh, to get some because nobody really wanted to touch the Neplio money, which means it mainly got used to fund infrastructure and shit. How was the uh, how was that decision? I had a real quick question. How was that decision uh, made when um, when you were on the list as inactive, which I thought was really confusing. All things considered, that you were the top dev on that team. If not, to my knowledge, you were the only developer at that given moment. I I was and am the top dev on that team. Um, there was other devs in there, but I mean. From my perspective, I didn't even care. I was too busy with other stuff. I'm just like, fine, we've got a sponsor, move on. So I could have swore you were going to get paid on that one. But when I saw that your name wasn't on it, I was like, what the heck? <laughs> didn't make but no I've, sense to I've, me. I've been, listen, I've been offered to get paid from a lot of people a lot of times. And the only time I got some money from someone was when Alex gave me $25 million because I got liquidated in the YOLO trade and he felt sorry for me. But then four months later, he wanted it back because I you know, didn't agree with him. So I guess that wasn't really a gift. That was more like a bribe. So I think long term short, you know, for me, it was not about the money. I had just lost a quarter of a million dollars. I had lost the potentially, you know, the love of my life um, because of some insane guy in Russia starting a war. Uh, for me, it was about healing and then bringing people together and creating this community allowed me to heal. This is why I never really cared much for the tokens or the money involved because I live a pretty Spartan life. I have a pretty nice salary. I like my job. You know, I'm happy the way I am. I don't want to become a millionaire. I just want to be happy. That's what my life is about. And that is what uh, TR allowed me to do, which is why every time things became contentious or toxic, I just removed myself. Because for me, it was always just about becoming happy and whole and healing. Fast forward to the L1 task force. Um, you know, there was, there was great progress being made. Um, there was, you know, Demon Monkey was Demon Monkey, DJ Trev, uh, some of these guys who are more prominent voices within the community. Um, you guys were making headway progress, updating it, you know, things, there was so much clarity and somewhere down the line, I think it was the, toward the beginning of the second quarter, things started getting lost. Uh, individual well, like, getting loud like how did how did how did it turn out I mean, you guys were doing so great and all of a sudden like you know there were some disagreements internally and all of a sudden things I'll, just started I'll tell, flipping you, out I'll tell you exactly what happened so we we uh, i uh, like i said i've built software teams my entire life mm -hmm. so leaving tr 
I was at a point where I could take on this job and try it out. So I did that and, and I created a team um, because it needed me to, to sort of create that team. And the first thing I told these guys was, the only thing we cannot do is fail. If we fail, people will basically, you know, slaughter us in public. And from there, we succeeded in creating a fairly cohesive unit that worked every fucking day to untangle the mess and try to understand how to, to create forward momentum. And that is what happened the first three months. Everything you guys have had since then were basically born out of the first three months. There was no significant code changes the next following three months. After I left, I was mainly just curating the deployment and then finishing of existing work. And then you have the uh, reorg delegations taking the new thingy that came out that was created by Strathcole and some others, which I think is one of the newer, more innovative features uh, in, in the network. But, but by and large, we created a successful network. But the problem with that was that we had a lot of people vying for control. We had, uh, at one point, uh, Rexy offered to, you know, he started talking about sponsoring us because they were getting all of this money from Terraport, which we all kind of know what happened with anyways. Um, and, and we just sort of kept working through it. But what happened, and I don't know how it started, but I do know how it ended. Um, at some point, Steve and someone uh, had a fallout, which also involved Demon. And it, I think it was Ivan or someone, it was something involving some money, something stupid like $500 or whatever. It created basically some sort of animosity with, between Steve and Demon that never really healed. And further on, <clears throat> like, this was maybe somewhere early February. I didn't pay too much attention to it. I was busy trying to not fail. So, you know, from my perspective, everything that didn't relate to the code was kind of irrelevant, and that was probably my failing. But uh, long story short, then at some point, uh, Demon, who I had a very nice relationship with, and, and actually still do, I have no bad feelings with him whatsoever, uh demon started asking it some questions around some money that went to the ggf and how it'd been spent and then i think it was him and matt or something that were running some sort of thing on that and that turned more vocal people's egos became activated that turned into stubbornness and and you know battle lines drawn and eventually that created a situation wherein the collaboration I was trying to foster between the TGF and Demon basically broke down because I've been trying to convince it to bring Demon into the TGF largely to just pacify him, but also to have, you know, somebody who could be, uh, how can you put it, um, an observer, whatever, you know, third party, something to, to make sure things were, were above board. But, but at the end of March, all of this sort of coalesced into a grand cacophony of shit, wherein Ed withdrew entirely. He didn't really do anything with regards to 
securing funding for Q2. Uh, I was in need of funding because, I mean, unlike what the internet wants to believe, I'm not fairly rich. I live from month to month like most other people do. Uh, so I couldn't bear, you know, not having an income. So I basically had to, to find a job because uh, the people who were supposed to secure the funding failed to do so. But right before, like two days before the end of, of March, Steve and I were like, okay, we're going to put together a proposal. We're going to bump the salary 10% because fuck this shit. We can't work like this. I've been asking for employment contracts also. Uh, from the TGF, which we hadn't got, gotten. And he was like, this is, you know, do a die time. Otherwise, I'm going to take this other job for Novo Nordisk. And that didn't get passed through. So I decided to take the job. And then the rest, I guess, is history, as they say. I watched you um, during that time when you were, when that, when that proposal came out. Um, and it, I don't know how it caused controversy because the debate with, throughout the community was it was too high of an ask. In my mind, I thought it was fair. If not, you were asking too little. And where I said, based on the living standard in, in Europe, just in general. No, no. I mean, that was what, what I was making was way too low compared to what I can make and, and what I need in order to, to get by. I mean, we have a yeah. roughly 50% tax, but then we have, I mean, I live in Copenhagen. It's the seventh most expensive city on the planet. Jesus. A cup of coffee costs $4, you know? So, so I mean, <laughs> I understand that if you're sitting around somewhere in Asia and, and you can live for $2,000 a month and this dude is asking for $25,000 a month. 1000 like, must be living like a king. But that's I live on less than one thousand a month. <laughs> there you go. But, but that's not how it, it, it lives up here. My apartment rent alone is yep. above that, right? That's just the yep. apartment I live in. That's not even a place I own. It's just a rental apartment. Then I have yep. expenses for for my son's uh, school and hobbies and so on. He easily costs me five six hundred dollars a month just on that. And then there's other ad hoc expenses. And then there's clothes and food. And I mean. Think food on a monthly basis, you would you easily spend like twenty five hundred dollars on food in Copenhagen, and then so so I mean yeah, life is expensive, right? And that's just how it is. Yeah, it was disheartening just to watch the the mockery continue uh, to get louder. Uh, that and is the internet, right? I mean, the, I think my 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 benefit here is that i've been mocked most of my life that's why i'm so fucking hard-headed right i don't give a fuck what people say uh when i was younger i was either too fat or too smart or too weird right so it's like people will say whatever they want to feel good about themselves that's the only thing that that remains eternal well you mentioned that you put teams together so i'm i'm imagining you may have worked with some of the people from this upcoming Samurai Six that has been in and out of the uh, proposals. Is that not yep. that uh, Frodo bunch? Yeah, the Baggins. The Baggins is the, the Hobbits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know who those guys are. I wouldn't call them developers. I don't know. Maybe they are. I, I, here's how I look at it: uh, If everybody's full of shit, be fucking full of shit. I don't want to be in a place like that, right? If you want to create something good, 
you have to stand up and show yourself. That's the whole point with Docs Chain is you need to somehow identify yourself as being a unique individual that can be accountable. You don't have to show your face. You don't have to tell the world the, the world who you are, but you do have to have a biometric signature that cannot be traced back to you if somebody has blah, 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 which will indeed say that this wallet is unique and is created by a unique individual who has an opinion about something, right? Because in this world of no consequences, so do you guys understand one of the core tenets of proof of stake and why we do slashing? For to my well, for slashing, it was if in, in I may be wrong about this one, but correct me if I am. Slashing was intended there to to provide some kind of um, not so much as punishment, even though that was the case. But if if a validator uh, went off track or the um, the validators voted it's, it, in- it's exactly it's basically an incentive to make people do right. Because here's the thing: if you have a network of peers doing stuff together and people doesn't have anything at stake, then the cost of damaging the network is free, right? So, so this is basically the whole point here is that people will argue, oh, but long has value. That's true. But, but again, let's assume that we're realistic about evaluation. Let's say that the network now is worth, what, a billion dollars. And let's assume that the fair value of the network, considering all the users in it and their assets and so on, is maybe, what, $50 million? Then it's fairly cheap to invest $70,000 into buying some tokens to create a vote and make some shenanigans that create some certainty that gets people to sell. Do you understand what I'm getting at here? Yeah. So if you don't stand up and, and get identified as some sort of individual, you can basically change your persona every day. And that is what LockDAO does, right? That is basically their, their thing is creating AI-driven social engagement programs that can change its behavior based on the wind and say crazy shit to incentivize crazy behavior, which makes people go crazy wild in the markets, right? That's basically what this is all about. It's basically just social engineering which is something that, that we as developers are somewhat used to because we've grown up with it since Kevin Mitnick went to jail. The, the only, oh, man, I lost my, like, I know I was going to ask something, but um, I was going to backpedal a little bit. I was loving this because he's saying shit I can't say. <laughs> no, go ahead, dude, man. Like, if it's on your mind, say it. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's no, hard, social hard. engineering it's is real. It's, it's so, it, <laughs> yeah. it happens. It's all, it's all yeah. a psyops. <laughs> yeah, I, I see it. I see. It. I don't pay attention to it anymore. I used to. It used to make me mad, but now I'm living like with a clear mind, and it's like I, I, I just I read I read the book, the subtle art of not giving a fuck, and uh, I started applying it. I met PSX, and he helped me out a little bit with the subtle art of not giving a fuck, and uh, yeah. So now I don't care about all the noise that's going on. And, and, and I get that, but it's pretty hard to not uh, give a fuck when suicide, suicidal people from Turkey starts calling your mobile phone, right? I mean, the, the point is that, that you also live in the safe confines of being an somewhat pseudonymous behind your alias. But the problem is that in doing so, you also help create this environment when bad actors, they tend to win out. And the only way for us to fix that is to stand up and change that as a whole 
and basically uh, be brave enough to step into the light and, and show our face. And that will come with real consequences initially. But that is always the case when you try to create a, a, a momentum in a different direction. Well, we totally face docs ourselves, but uh, I really want to get into um, as far as the the overall general public. Like, I mean, I can't recode. Docs chain isn't currently fully launched yet, but at least for the time being, between now and then, you know, what are what are some best practices uh, that are practical for the general public uh, to to figure out, like if um, to figure out. If, if a developer is legit, like we can't see their resume, we can't really see their past work. Uh, I, I hear all the excuses in the world, voice doxing, face doxing, like none of that, like privacy, anons all the way, 110%. Like I don't have an alternative, but I can't figure out if this guy is blowing smoke in my ass because ever since I stepped into the crypto there, community. There's only really one way to do it. Some of the best developers I know, they fail, you know, Google-style entry tests and still they write better software than most Google developers. The only way to really do it is put them to work and see what they come up with within a time frame of three to six months. I understand that is uh, a lot if you look at it from a more traditional engineering perspective where you might be yeah. used to just hiring day laborers, you know, dig trenches or whatnot. But in a sense, a lot of the crypto developers, they're, they're just nomades. Uh, so, so they are just type of day labor, but the type of work that they do is, is, is thought work, which requires the focus and resources and time. And the only way to gauge this is to try to, to steer them to focus in a direction which is what I do very well right now. I have two teams I'm doing it with at normal. Uh, and then you engage with them and mentor them when, when they get stuck in things and you help them, you know, progress. And then if they become efficient at something and they are sort of confident and, and, and satisfied with handling that area, that sort of knowledge domain, you, you, you just let them do that. And then you find someone else to do the other thing. And then you end up with this football team or soccer team of, of uh, players that, that have great chemistry. And then you have a sustainable, uh, what we call cross-functional uh, development unit that can do pretty much anything. And, and I think that was what we were close to having in the L1 team. We, I think we had it at the end of, of L2-1. And then I think it kind of fell apart. And, and then I, I think, you know, they're still uh, doing uh, the work, some of them in... in so I mean, it's still persisting in that context. Um, Jacob Kadikian, a uh, very polarizing um, character. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, yeah, I am going to go there. Another one of its gifts to me. Yes. <laughs> so oh, Ed's he, gift. <laughs> oh yeah. So do oh, you want to hear the story of Jacob? Yes, <laughs> do it. Holy shit! Okay, so Jake, I actually <laughs> like Jacob. Let me put it like that first. He's a he's a very colorful personality. Uh, but but Jacob, just like all of us, has some issues. Uh, but but I was introduced to Jacob after Ed had met him somewhere. I don't know where, I don't know how. Uh, but what I know is that I was talking with Ed one evening and he was having issues getting Jacob to sign on for the L1 team because Jacob wanted a lot of money. And was like, okay, let me have a talk with Jacob. So I had a chat with Jacob and we started uh, working uh, or 
started to negotiating and he was like, ah, I want this. And I was like, listen, dude, I can give you 12,500. That's the same I'm getting. You can't get any more. Uh, maybe if we make it to the promised land, we will all get more, but that's it. And then he was like, blah, 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 blah. And then he said, yes. So we started working with Jacob and unbeknownst to me, also his army of gremlins from Notional Labs, because they all kind of just moved in like one happy family. Have you ever seen that uh, Chevy Chase movie where these in-laws, they come to stay and it's all chaotic? Yeah, so that was kind of the, the, the thing going on. So, um, But Jacob was very keen on doing this thing with changing out the Rocks DB to Pebble DB or something like that. And I was like, okay, does that really make sense? But he really wants to do it. So we started profiling it and I found out it didn't really make sense. And then I think he got a bit upset about that. And then he got into, like, he wasn't really doing anything. The only guy that was really doing something was Vin. Uh, and, and I was like, you know what? If Vin is doing work and Jacob is just showing up to work, ranting and sending us, you know, two-minute random tweets in the middle of the night where he was drunk out of his skull, ranting about stuff. And you know what? If that's what it takes to make an omelet, that's what we do. And it kind of worked until... A point where Jacob got into a shouting match with all nodes because at that point Jacob for some reason was getting I don't know how to put it uh, he was getting frantic he was getting a bit chaotic more chaotic than usual and I started like reasoning about what was going on because all of a sudden he came and said well they wanted $30,000 for the contract too and they had decided to fire Vin without giving us any reason. And when I was asking for one, I didn't get it. And then they started assaulting all nodes in public. And I was like, okay, something is going on here. Uh, and then I think it was Danny, of all people, Danny, Danny, something, something. He was like, he reached out and was like, ah, Jacob, something, you have to, whatever. And so I intervened on Twitter and that turned into a public uh, debate where I kind of refuted most of his points and said, listen, dude, something, something, something. And then he spilled that over into the Slack where he started all sorts of things and he started, yeah, and he wanted me to blah, 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 and I should leave and he would leave and somebody should leave and everybody should leave. And it ended up with him just leaving. And I said, you know what? Fine, if you want to leave, leave. And then he left. And then he made this long list of fallacies about things I didn't say that he then tried to attack me with. Because then I think he kind of regretted. Because, you know, once you're on the outside and the rest of us just like, meh, he left. And Vin was, was working, so we were happy. He then started assaulting us. And, and that assault then became even more aggressive when Long Dao piled in. Uh, to the point where Demon he told me and that he had to intervene with some people who were considering uh, starting to, to target my son. Uh, and then I was like, okay, these people are really fucking nasty. I don't know if people actually follow the crypto news, but in 2022, we had quite a lot of crypto-related deaths and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, you know, we're still fighting over potentially millions of dollars here. How much do I really want to expose myself to all of that? And, and that is when I started thinking about maybe just detracting myself to the point where I would leave. 
and then due to reasons i just had to leave after q1 because we didn't get extended otherwise i would probably have leave, left after q2 um i'm happy that i left uh, i even pleaded with, for, with steve for him to leave i think we all know how that turned out that he because he didn't right so so i mean overall um the introduction of jacob created a lot of bad stuff and and when i then did the post-mortem investigation into it i saw that he was asking uh, the cosmos for close to like a million dollars worth of, of money of, in, in atom tokens he's, curr uh, he's, he's currently causing up roar, roar with the, the juno community um the uh I, I don't know if he's like in debt to some gangsters or something like that but what i found out after doing the research is that he's some dude who moves to china and then he spent some time in china working i he's, he was originally a history teacher uh he's not really a programmer per se uh he became a programmer around when he got into cosmos then he moved to vietnam probably because power is cheap or i don't know uh but if you look at his commits on his profile and he has a lot most of them are just go something which is basically just auto updating code so, so i don't really attribute that to being programming so so all in all he, he's just a guy trying to start a business and, and and i like that about him i don't fault him about that what i fault him about is his behavior and and his uh, compulsiveness uh, it makes him um hard to deal with because you don't know where you have him tomorrow he could be in a totally different mindset and and that creates a lot of noise that i think a lot of people will be without so, so i think in his own behavior he creates problems for himself that he should fix because then he'll probably have a happier life and as i recall uh jacob's narrative um because i was pretty steeped and deep in that in that community conversation was that all nodes was a security risk to the blockchain uh over the yeah, over yeah, the no, no, no. i i get yeah. that and, and I, I but but the, the point is that uh, they weren't because the security risk that he was talking about was already present in another way so if anything they were actually a security boon to the network because they were probably the most professional and still are the most professional operator of the terra classic network i would basically argue that they are the backbone of the terra classic network and if they had turned off their machines i'm not so certain that the consensus layer would have survived that yeah they do provide infrastructure do they not yeah they provide LTG infrastructure but they also provide a lot of, of consensus nodes and and i mean we all saw what happened when we had to reboot the consensus with the 204 operator i think it was where we had to basically reboot the network twice, right? So imagine what happens if, let's just say you have 80 nodes that are somewhat trustworthy working together, and then all of a sudden, 20% of the, of the uh, nodes just go dark within a block. That's bound to create some confusion and some problems, and the network will probably survive, but you might have, you know, spotty outages as the network recalibrates itself and reconstitutes the consensus layer and filters out the dead nodes. Well, what do you think about talking about Doc's chain there, PSX? I think uh, we only have- Yeah, I was about to go time. into it. Um, I was about to go into it, sorry. Um, I know we're running out of a bit of uh, time here. Um, 
if you can like because there's there was business like there was a feature that i i tweeted i was looking for it um that i thought was interesting but i was trying to refresh my memory real quickly but mm-hmm. overall dox chain um it's not it's not to dox people per se but to give them the ability to control their own identity without um in a secure manner Yes, my understanding. Basically, is that... uh, basically, DocsChain is a decentralized identity provider. So it will uh, tell the world who you are in the same way that your JVT token tells the world that you're an identity they can trust. Now, my question is, is um, I looked at your roadmap, and when is uh, have you done uh, private sales already, or are you just currently just taking private investment? Uh, I'm busy working with no. I mean, we have a. I'm I'm scheduled. I'm gonna start up a small test net next month if I can get time to it, and then if that is successful over a few weeks, I will start looking for investment. But right now, I have zero dollars in the blockchain budget. I have a functioning blockchain that works. I haven't uh, finished everything. Uh, building a, a true a, a decentralized identity provider akin to Okta. Uh, it does take a lot of time, so there, there needs to be more uh, development. But the problem is that I can't get people to do shit without money. So right now I'm at the point where uh, I'm building a testnet. Then we will do some sort of uh, investor thingy at some point in Q1, two, whatever. And then we'll see uh, what we have funding for. But that doesn't mean that I'm not working on... Uh, components of it but for me blockchain is just one piece of an integrated puzzle that is about what i call digital or what the world calls digital twins which is something that i've been researching for a long time so it's just the first step on a very long journey that i've been traveling for the last seven or eight years and I intend to keep traveling it, but I kind of do it at my own pace. And then obviously granted that I have to, you know, go to work and be a parent. That pace is slow right now. Who knows? Maybe that will change in the future. Then the pace will be faster. But long and short, it's basically uh, what you call an identity provider. And then the, what, what is an identity provider? Well, an identity provider is something like Asia AD or Access Directory. This is just decentralized. And, and why is that a good thing? Well, it's a good thing for two reasons. One is that if you take a company like Okta that carries a market cap of $12 billion, they've had four security breaches within the last two years. So clearly a centralized identity provider model is proving to be hard to sustain. And then secondarily, a centralized uh, identity provider model is highly inefficient in a world of edge networks because... The way that it works right now is that you'll install your five IoT devices in your home center, but if you want them to be secure, they will all dial into the cloud to ask an identity provider or maybe an identity server you host for something. When if you had something like a blockchain, they could just host a light node or a wallet where they could look at the last 500 transactions to verify things and thus be more efficient at the edge, which will then increase efficiency. And throughput, and if you can increase efficiency and throughput in a digital network, that equates to money. So that's basically the, the value proposition for DocsChain. And I know that a lot of people are like, oh, Sarah, I want to put our face on the internet. 
no, that's not what I want to do. I want to give you a digital signature on the internet that you cannot forge in the sense that if you are a human being creating an account on the network, you can only ever create one account. But if you think about it, that actually works very well in a sense for also being a skeleton key, right? So if people don't know what skeleton keys are, there were suggestions in Bitcoin to introduce the idea of a skeleton key feature that would allow people who lost their primary key to salvage their key, but it was always you know, turned away because what if somebody stole your skeleton key, right? But in this case, you would need to steal the human being to recreate the skeleton key. So that is probably the same as having control over the human being physically anyways. And then some people say, yeah, but I have my money on my treasure. If somebody holds a gun in your mouth, you're definitely going to give them whatever's on your treasure. That is for 100% sure. So who gives a fuck, right? So it's just a more convenient way to, to, to securing your key. So so that is, is, is what we offer with the docs chain and what we will keep building on in the future. And this is uh, Cosmos, and this is applicable to like, you, you can you can launch this on any chain, like whether it be Luna Classic, Juno, anybody could, could adopt this. Is any, any, Anybody could adopt this, but I'm not sure I want to open up IPC. It's kind of like uh, greeting the, uh, the, the Galactic Empire and Star Wars, and I want to just be my own little <laughs> rebel, rebel alliance for this extraneous foreign capital would come in and pollute the network. I'm not too sure about that. Now, I, I don't know, man. I, I haven't really thought about that. Right now, I'm just looking at the code. I'm looking at what I can do with it. And what I can see is that I can create a JVT token. I can emulate uh, the OAuth brand flows on chain. I can secure the communication with the end user. I still need to build the layer two SDKs and stuff. And then I need to then start uh, building the IDP feature itself and the digital identity component. So I can see a lot of work and a lot of fun, but it's going to take time. Well, we can always we can always like write up a um, a Star Wars parody and call it Lunk Wars. Yeah, yeah. We'll <laughs> Cosmos Wars. So, um, <laughs> Mike, here's a question. I'm on a boat. I dropped my phone in the water. I wasn't smart enough to write down my, my key, my, uh, you know, my key phrase, but with doc Shane, all I would need is to scan my eye or scan my fingerprint. And I would be able to have access to my money again. Had I lost that private key, right? Uh, not entirely, but close enough. So basically you would be able to re-engage a reimbursement process of sorts wherein you would uh, create a request to have your um, assets transferred from one wallet to another, uh, pending uh, approval from a multi-signature group of people that we call notaries, I think I decided to call them, which are inherently kind of like, if you have the validators who get paid for running the network, then the notaries, they get, paid for servicing the network. They basically do consensus votes on top of the consensus layer to agree on key things that could then be instituted, like transferring money from one wallet to another. Um, hang on a second, Jerry. Uh, okay, so I know that biometric scanning has becoming slowly more of a thing. I know there's quite a huge 
uh, market that's a little bit hesitant. I think we've seen enough uh, sci-fi movie, movies that kind of put put us on edge. Um, those who have more of a religious view um, are like, yeah, not not in the mood for re- revelations here. Um, Matrix is just a very nice username. It's not a password. <laughs> right. And then, but, you know, biometrics scanning that being centralized to um, a point uh, to where one person has control of that data. I mean, wouldn't it make more sense to open up? And, and I know we don't want to invite um, the, 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 the empire, but you know, wouldn't it make more sense to open up IBC on it to where, you know, more decentralization could take place to compete with the, the current marketplace? Well, we, or... we, would, we would open up uh, IBC eventually, but it won't be until the network is up and running and, and liquid and self-sustainable. Uh, because that way it will be more resilient to this extraneous capital coming in, trying to buy up the market sort of thing. Um, so I think that is going to happen. I just don't know when. The other component with regards to biometric data, we actually don't have the biometric data. What we do is we use an algorithm that I created with Mustafa and a professor from Cairo, which we launched six months ago on ResearchGate, that basically is an elliptic curve algorithm that we call Monty which uses your username as an input for a biometric cipher uh, that basically uses SHA-256 algorithm to derive a signature. Think of it like a digital fingerprint, so to speak. And that is actually what we keep on chain. So we cannot really uh, reconstitute that signature even with your biometric because you still have to have a password, right? But that password is just embedded on chain. It's not your private key. It's basically like a, a, like a security question in case you lose your bank account or something like that, right? So you can they'll ask you to type in a security question, be like my mother's maiden name or something like that. So that's basically what that would be. But, but no, we don't have the biometric data, so there would be no way for us to really syndicate it. What we do create is these digital identities, and those we can syndicate. That is the whole point of the chain. The, the chain provides uh, identities, which are digital, that can have uh, verifiable credentials, meaning a, a basically a, a signature that it owns, uh, the mortgage on a house or uh, it could be like your PhD degree from a university, whatever. Uh, so, so that is the kind of thing that the digital identity will create, will give you, which is great for, you know, enabling people to interface with your, you know, personal public information, like future employers or whatever. Um, and then it then also provides this, uh, Identity provides a feature that allows it to service uh, the SAML 2 and the OAuth 2 protocols, which are the two most used security protocols on the planet, which would then allow that to naturally integrate with existing security systems and let them leverage DocsChain without having to do a lot of work, which is really the, the key value in APA and all of this. I know you've been kind of you've been mostly heads down and not actively promoting Docs chains because a lot of pieces aren't in place where you want them to be. Uh, but given that as it may be, 
you have a website where people can still participate in requesting and say like, hey, I want to be a validator. So that way you can help line up your validator set or, hey, I'm an investor. Uh, would you be open to us uh, sharing that link if anybody finds interest? Yeah, for sure. I mean, right, like I said, I think we're going to start looking at, at setting up a testnet at the beginning of next year. And, and for that, we will look at the list. I think we have like 10, 15 people signed off, of, of which we'll probably get three or four that will maybe turn up at the server. But then I have a handful of people I know myself. But we'll basically do a drive to, to find these people, get them connected in a Discord. Uh, get them to set up the network, get the network up and running, and, and then we will leave the network running for some time to see if everything works out well. And if it does that, then we are at the point where we can start, you know, looking into creating uh, some sort of uh, ICO, if we want to call it that, wherein we will basically do an initial uh, we'll do a coin sale to accredited investors. And by accredited, I mean people who have successfully created a request for a DocsChain account. Uh, because just like we have, uh, we would have a feature for resetting the system through these notaries. We also have a feature wherein uh, for your account to actually become active for it to transmit more than a set amount of money per day, you need to do a KYC and an AML request that will also be approved by, by these notaries, which by and large be third-party people who are legally bound to clear people like other companies, basically. Um, so that is what we uh, are looking at right now uh, for, to get stuff, stuff up and running. But we would welcome anybody who wants to be a validator. And I think, you know, obviously uh, we will give the uh, early adopters uh, some tokens so we can get the show started. And from there, we will just have to build our way out of things. I'm very keen on locking up a lot of the tokens to focus on utility. And then having like maybe bounty programs to, to pay people for completing certain milestones that need to be done in order for the system to get built out as a whole. Uh, and then at some point when we have utility, we would have some sort of uh, unlocking plan where some of these tokens would then become available for the market to trade and so on. But I haven't really settled on the details of how that will all work. We're wrapping up in the last uh, minute, uh, Jerry. Did you have something you wanted to say? Oh, I'm just I'm I'm actually uh, after reading the Medium article and everything what it what it's about. I can't wait for it to go live because uh, I mean I'm hey, interested like any other blockchain <laughs> with dexes and everything else going on as well. I think it's going to be very interesting in compare compared to all the other chains in the cosmos. Well, I mean, it's I think it's going to be something different. If it will be better, I don't know. I don't really think that anybody knows, but uh, it'll be something different for sure. Um, so we'll see what happens when the time comes. Um, but so, oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. It's fine. Oh no, I was going to say that Mustafa was on the team. You know, if you can't tell him, I said hello. I hadn't spoken to him in a while since our departure. Ah, yeah. When I speak with him next, I will. Uh, we haven't spoken in a while as well. He's been busy and I've been busy, but Christmas is coming up now. So now we will have time to unwind and, and connect again. But I'll tell him you said hi when, when we talk. But uh, yeah, no. I'm, I'm going to have to to skip out, Jens. And, and thank you for, for the chat. It was, uh, it was good fun. And, no wish. So uh, I hope everybody have a great weekend. And then uh, we'll talk again later, I'm sure.
Yeah, absolutely. We'll stay in touch. And for everybody else, we want to thank you guys for joining us. Uh, have a great weekend and Merry Christmas to everyone. Ciao. Yep. All right. Later, guys. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and plate. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless, trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets. Dead ends dragging out the max amount of pain. It's red down days, got them acting all bankless Yo fam, what? Check these token knocks They probing this bear, flexing broken honest I had to lay my soul down, I'm just roasting knotters And then to end a long day, 11 bowls of chronic Never known the politic, I was born to frolic It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom Over impossible loss, it's all moss And I'm liking the odds, fond doing the morning Forming mycological Bonds. Flick the cap, yo, the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lace Stacked in non-toxic just to get a better a place smacking on the hostage like the shit is play for keeps clowns white knight and all these maybellines they call it implausible when model after model keeps on ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats tearing apart your community all these low-hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity got a planet in reach coming standard to each i'm on the back 10 stargazing after the siege commanding all the management to grab a few seats and then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east y'all better sign a release when i'm bumping these beats hands up if i got my Motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served